Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Fratelloni's Hardware and Garden Stores brings you Garage Logic Podcast number 773. January 18th, 2022, 48 degrees was the record high for this day, and that was in 1891, and it was 36 below in 1887. And now, from the mayor's office, above the boathouse, on the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production, Chris Reavers, Director of Social Media. John Hyde in the newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop. Here is your flashlight king, fireworks commissioner, and keeper of common sense, your mayor, Joe Souchere. I knew all the GL pilots would help us. Oh, yeah. Yesterday we got news of the FAA uh, apparently arranging now for uh, commercial airliners to land in a gradual descent instead of a step process where they'd go a little ways lower, go a little ways lower. and Fifth plane pause. Yeah, and I was wondering <laughs> if that's so great, why why have they only been doing, why are they starting it now? And I, uh, Carl down in Northfield's a longtime experienced pilot, both military and commercial. On the January 17th podcast, you were wondering why, if steady descent rate approaches are so great, why haven't the airlines been doing them for years? Short answer? The autopilot technology in the FAA radar precision wasn't good enough until about 10 years ago. Hmm. Long answer, beginning with the Boeing 757 and Airbus 320 airliners in the late 80s and early 90s, all of the cockpit instrumentation switched from analog to digital electronic instruments. The autopilots in those aircraft are much more sophisticated than what was previously available. The really large congested airports such as Los Angeles, Dallas, Miami, and Chicago needed a better way to land aircraft and increase the frequency of landings and takeoffs. The FAA came up with the continuous descent approach that was planned to work with the vertical navigation function of modern autopilots. Although pilot training today is as good as you would hope it could be, a human pilot cannot fly an airliner with the precision required to meet all the requirements of a vertical navigation approach. The adoption of GPS navigation by the airlines and improved radars by FAA now allow a totally automatic approach from 35,000 35, feet right down to the runway. When flying from Minneapolis to L.A., the FAA controllers will start sequencing aircraft to land on a specific runway and at a specific time as far away as Denver. The pilot is obligated to comply or the aircraft will be denied access to the L.A. airspace. If everyone does their job, the system works wonderfully. But if some pilot for cheapo airlines misses the altitude and airspeed assigned over Riverside, for example, it will foul things up for everyone behind him and those waiting to take off. Most of the time, the pilot will disconnect the autopilot at 500 feet above the runway and make the landing by hand flying. But to maintain various qualifications, the autopilot has to do the landing at certain times and places. I'm not sure that the fuel savings are really significant, but every every little bit helps, I suppose. Hope this wasn't too 
much information Carl Bear in Northfield. No, it's so great. So he, oh. he's a commercial pilot. He was retired now. Uh, how does how does he and other pilots, commercial pilots, feel about that? Well, let's keep reading here and see. I, I, I want some... the guy at the stick to have full control. <laughs> Joe, the problem with aircraft landing at an airport is misdirected. It is not the airlines nor the aircraft manufacturer. The problem would rightfully be placed at the feet of the FAA if one is seeking a sacrificial lamb. I can sum it up with one word, sequencing. As aircraft intend to land at an airport, they need to be sequenced. The FAA does the sequencing at tower-controlled facilities. The Mm -hmm. pilots themselves do the sequencing at non-tower-controlled facilities. So the very nature of the beast of arrivals at an airport will infer that an aircraft will need to descend, level off, descend, level off, etc., until landing. Okay. As I used to tell all of my student pilots, takeoffs are optional, landings are mandatory. (laughs) <laughs> always, always shoving back. Good luck, Scott. Well, that that makes sense to me. I understand. Now. I have two more, but they're brilliant, and I'm very curious yeah, about this keep, topic. Keep going. Uh, good afternoon, Joe. This is Jeff St. Germain. I am listening to the podcast, and you are discussing optimum profile descents and why they haven't been used for years. In fact, they have been used in Minneapolis since March of 2015. They are designed and implemented by the FAA, not the airlines, as getting two or more airlines to agree on work best is is comparable to getting two kids to decide on which flavor of ice cream is the best. The idea is to save fuel and reduce carbon emissions from aircraft while descending at a rate that is ideal for the aircraft. Can OPDs be used all the time? No, but using this type of approach to landing a vast majority of the time does save on fuel and actually increase the number of aircraft that can land in one hour. There is much more that goes into the design, and these types of arrivals are being designed at all uh, all of the country to increase the efficiency of getting more planes on the ground. If you would like more information on the design of the MSP arrivals, let me know. I am not a pilot, but I am an air traffic controller for a couple of more months. Cool. That's the guy I want to talk to because I have a question. I want to know if my memory is correct. I I don't remember when I observed this, and maybe it was playing on that golf course, Fort Snelling. Um, I timed the the time distance between when an airplane taking off, wheels left the ground, that's when I started the stopwatch, to when the approaching aircraft, wheels hit the ground, and I swear it was 30 seconds, and well, that was happening consistently. And I want to ask that controller, am I right? Was it 30 seconds or one minute? Well, we were living in a rental place some years ago. It was on Snelling near Randolph. Hmm. And that happened to be the approach path, depending on the wind. Mm-hmm. So often I got great entertainment by sitting on the stoop and watching an airplane. And then beginning at the moment it flew over me, mm-hmm. I would time the how long it took for the next plane to fly directly over me. And if I'm recalling correctly, it was always about a minute and 27 seconds. Huh. So you're the guy sitting on the tarmac waiting for the okay to go, and you know... There's a plane behind you less, one minute. <laughs> less than a minute behind you. I mean, you're fully, you're yeah. right to the stop. Let's go! I did the same thing uh, with a long layover at LaGuardia. Yeah. And I couldn't believe what I was witnessing, because how many runways do they have? About hey, 75,000? time is money, 000? baby. I guess. <laughs> one more. I just listened to your January 17 podcast, specifically the discussion about the FAA proposal 
on optimum profile descents. I have been a commercial airline pilot for nearly 20 years, and prior to that, an Air Force pilot for 20 years, more than 20 years. This type of approach, which would definitely save fuel, and I am personally aware of its use at the Stansted Airport outside of London for at least the last 10 years. At the airport, it is called a continuous descent approach, and they are also referred to as a constant descent angle approaches or constant rate descents. They all they all accomplish the same goal of keeping the engines at or near idle and preventing intermediate level loss requiring the engines to be spooled back up to cruise power. Mm-hmm. At the Stansted Airport, its purpose is not to save fuel, but to reduce the noise impact to those living under the arrival pass, and they go as far as using noise monitoring on the ground to ensure compliance. I personally do not know of any other airport that uses these types of approaches on a regular basis. I believe that the largest impediment to their large-scale use is the need to de-conflict departing air traffic with the arrival traffic. At large, busy airports, the approach controllers need to get the arrival aircraft descended earlier than necessary, at least from a pilot's point of view, so that the departing aircraft have room to take off and climb out above them. This altitude deconfliction could be mitigated with the use of better planned arrival and departure corridors, which I would guess the FAA is working on with the rollout of these planned OPD approaches. This is just conjecture on my part, however, as I have not seen any of these planes. I have not seen any of the uh, plans on how this is to be done. Thanks for inviting comment on this subject. I hope my response reflects a consensus with any other pilots choosing to chime in. I believe it did. I, I, I understood everything he said. I'm just glad Matthew isn't here because there are about 24 uh, bleep that word words in there. Yeah. How about deconflicting? Yeah. Deconflict. Yeah. Yeah. Well, can we stay with the airlines? Because I'm fascinated by the industry. Let's do it. Uh, I attempted to reach Julio Ojeda Zapata. He is a uh, pioneer press technology reporter, and quite literally, no one knows more about, you know, technology and, and stuff, stuff. And, and stuff than mm-hmm. Julio. And I was unsuccessful. But uh, the airline industry is raising the stakes in a showdown with AT and T. Now I'm going to need the pilots to weigh in on this again. The airline industry is raising the stakes in a showdown with AT&T and Verizon over plans to launch new 5G wireless service this week, warning that thousands of flights flights could be grounded or delayed if the rollout takes place near major airports. Mm. CEOs of the nation's largest airlines say that interference from the wireless service on a key instrument on planes is worse than they originally thought. To be blunt, the nation's commerce will grind to a halt unless the service is blocked near major airports, the CEOs uh, said in a letter Monday to federal officials, including Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg, who has previously taken the airline side in this matter. ATT and Verizon plan to activate their new 5G wireless service Wednesday after two previous delays from the original plan for an early December rollout. The new high-speed 5G service uses a segment of the radio spectrum that is close to that used by altimeters, which are devices that measure the height of the aircraft above the ground. My instant cartoon bubble was the altimeter spinning around like a Three Stooges movie because some kid's got to watch a TikTok fest. <laughs> right, right. right. <laughs> I'm seeing it's a mad, 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 mad world. And uh, Mickey, who is it? Mickey Rooney and uh, yeah. Buddy Hackett. Well, there's another problem. Obviously, they, these guys rely on altimeters when they can't see anything. Yeah. 
So now you're coming in with zero visibility, and there's the threat that this new 5G radio band could cause their altimeters to go haywire. Mm -hmm. Ah, no. 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 But 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 I got a tweet, Joe. Two weeks ago. There's there's some breaking news on this, Joe. Good. Uh, AT&T says it will delay, they've announced this in the last hour, Good. deployment of 5G service towers that are near any airports. Get them out uh, of there! Yeah, they, they said they will still what roll the them hell? out, though, in other places that are not near airports. Verizon hasn't said a word. Apparently, uh, both uh, these folks met with the Biden administration officials this morning, and that's when AT&T said, all right, we'll delay it uh, by airports. You damn well better! <laughs> AT&T and Verizon said their equipment will not interfere with aircraft electronics and that the technology is being safely used in many other countries. Critics of the airline industry say the carriers had several years to upgrade altimeters that might be subject to interference from 5G. No, no. Whatever altimeter's in the plane I'm in, that's a good enough altimeter. And imagine being the rookie's friend at the airport person that has to deal with 25-year-old, how come my cell phone's not working mm. at the airport? So, are we done? Just a minute, just a minute. Okay, the yeah, C- we need to back up, too. Yeah, the CEOs of 10 passenger and cargo airlines, including American, Delta, United, and Southwest, said 5G will be more disruptive than they originally thought because dozens of large airports that were uh, to have buffer zones to preserve to prevent 5G interference with aircraft will still be subject to flight restrictions announced last week by the FAA, and those, and because those restrictions won't be limited to times when visibility is poor. I don't like any of this. Nope. <laughs> no. I want me. I want me to have a functioning altimeter. I yeah. don't want to start Step going one. backwards. Step one. Yeah. The earlier technology we were talking about, and I guess this is a question for the pilots. So I'm given to understand that a pilot cannot click off the automatic pilot and guide it in on its own. Uh, And if he does, that screws up the whole system. He won't be granted a space on the runway? I did not. uh, Is that true? I did not capture that. I I did not sense that. And will this new technology breed pilots who don't know how to approach and no that could never be that's that's not that's conspiracy happen. thinking that's, that's silly that's well silly. joe here at budget air we have an uh, a new airplane <laughs> that has no altimeters whatsoever yeah. to you interfere just hold with one your of phone those propellers use. out the window Correct. Just spins around hold on, a stick. on yeah. your butt yeah. yep I, I just uh i want to know that the guy in the front can drive this you know put this thing on the ground safely without oh. i think the guys in the front are amazing yeah so do i and i I'm a little uncomfortable with the technology replacing them. Well, the, I got news for you, pal. Yeah? Uh, it's it's you, been happening for quite some you've time. You've landed at Minneapolis-St. Paul many, many times, and those boys are using their instruments. Well, it's not that they're not using their instruments. No, they can't see. They're using their instruments. But their hands are on the wheel, of course, right? Of course. That's what I want. Well, that you're getting that. You're getting that. Okay. There's always that sigh of relief when you can finally see the ground. Who am I kidding? I'm not getting on a plane ever again. What do I care? <laughs> ever? I'm scared, Chris. Really? When's yeah. the last time you were on a plane? It's been 15 years. Seriously? Yeah. Wow. John? John yeah, has never been on a probably, plane. 
Oh no, I've been on a lot of planes, oh. helicopters, planes, everything. Oh, yeah, but it's right. been it's been fifteen years, probably. Also. Yeah, well, when I flew three weeks ago, it was the first time in two years hmm. that I'd flown. Yeah, and because of family, you're looking at a guy that used to have a whole book of blank tickets. Mm-hmm. I'd wheel down to the airport anytime I wanted and fly off to Vegas, place a bet, and fly home. Mm-hmm. Not anymore. No. Well, you were you were having no. fun with the the woman. We don't know if and well, I don't. That's why I wanted Julio. What what does five G provide us as consumers? A stronger signal, right? Isn't that the whole point? I guess. Such the roommate and I used to go on road trips, and I used to carry some of those blank tickets with me just just in case. Yeah. <laughs> Somewhere out around Cincinnati, and things just got too much for the old soul man. It's, just get on a plane uh, and just get the go, out of go, there. Go to the airport and get out of there. <laughs> well, here's what we're raising, uh, man, hu- human, people. people losing their relationship with nature. It's been all over the news that a woman in Ottawa has been seen taking a selfie while standing on her car, which was sinking into the Radu River in Manatick. A rescue operation was ongoing when the woman took a selfie after her car cracked the ice and began to sink. This happened on January 16 at about 43 a.m., according to the Ottawa police. While some people criticized the woman and accused her of being obsessed with her phone and photos, others argued she showed she showed calm to not panic and said it was perfectly fine to make light of the situation. Oh, my God. You see the picture? I am watching this right now. This is an idiot. Those involved in the rescue were praised by police for their quick thinking as a kayak was used to ferry the woman off the sinking car and onto the ice. Well, okay. The Ottawa police... The Ottawa police detailed the incident in a tweet on Sunday and showed the woman's yellow car almost fully submerged in the river while this fruitcake is standing on the roof of the car taking a selfie. It's just amazing. The car went through the ice at the south end of Ottawa. There were no injuries. This fool. I know. It's just amazing. <laughs> well, was it in the process of sinking or was it? She's the, standing on top uh, of I'm, it, Kenny. I'm looking at oh, it, oh, but was oh. the nose, or the, was the front end touching the ground? Here's what. No, the, it's not clear when the driver drove out onto the ice, but camera footage from the houses alongside the river showed a yellow car, believed to be the driver, speeding down the frozen river. A full statement from police also noted the driver was the lone occupant and she suffered no injuries. As the car is still in the river... Authorities have cautioned against curious onlookers stepping out onto the frozen ice to view the car. They said this portion of the river is thought to be thin compared to others and poses a danger. The only thing that would possibly make this story even better for me is if she was following her navigation. This is why she was driving on the river. (laughs) Jeez whiz. I mean, I know she's an Ottawa resident, Joe, but I like to think that this woman's vote counts just as much as yours. But you know she lives. But that, she lives in Ottawa. That's so, that's right. Canada. Right. That's America's hat. But this is exactly hat. why government thinks that they need to just take care of all of us because of idiots like this. Mm, man, why don't we uh, take a time out, okay. please? 
It's Reavers here for Josh Arnold. Mr. Money Talk is what he's called around these parts. Josh has been an investment consultant since 1978. This extensive career has given him the experience needed to manage your money in both up and down markets. Josh provides independent, personalized investment planning to individuals and small businesses, including retirement plans. Josh has been doing this for quite some time, and the thing that separates him from the rest is he will always give you straight talk and never sugar-coated advice. When you invest for yourself or for your small business with Josh, you get the same straight talk that you would expect from Mr. Money Talk. You also get an investment consultant who will work proactively with you to create a strategy that fits your goals. You can also hear him at the end of Garage Logic every Tuesday and Thursday with a full report. Give him a call today for that free 48-minute financial consultation at 952-925-5608. That number once again is 952-925-5608. Or for more information, just visit his website, josharnoldinvestmentconsultant.com. Here's a man who spends hours in hardware stores, sifting through the nuts and bolts of life. Joe Souchere. Is this Dylan? new? Dylan's new one? The new ho- the house band has supplied new material, yes. <laughs> uh, today's the one-year anniversary of... I want to listen to this a little bit. That music that soothes my aching soul. Uh, the one-year anniversary of our uh, love affair with Seafoam. You and said today, that yesterday. I'm going to uh, tell the story today that <laughs> Such wouldn't let me tell yesterday. Here's the story. Guy, said it yesterday. Guy having trouble with his <laughs> snowmobile, um, and he, he couldn't get this thing to run right. Uh, my buddy Chuck said, it's got to be the gas. It's got to be the gas. The guy says, no, no, no. I'm going to the same gas station every single time. I'm ordering the high octane. It's not the gas, Chuck said. Drain the gas out, go to a different gas station, fill it up. I guarantee it's going to run. And that's exactly what happened. The reason being, and yes, I did bring this up yesterday, is sometimes that high-octane gas sits in the tank too long, it goes bad. That's why no matter what you're running, right there in that little trunk you've got in the snowmobile, make sure there's some sea foam in there. It's a hell of a lot easier to dump in a few gulps of sea foam than it is to try to drain 10 gallons out of a snowmobile. Give me a break. I'm way too lazy for that. Sea foam, the answer for all your bad gas woes. It's available everywhere from little stations to knack hardware stores to barber shops. It's better than chicken gravy. Sea foam, a wonderful product in a world of bad gas. Minneapolis uh, is intending to try a basic income program. Oh, sure. Isn't this fun? (laughs) Uh, For 200 families. Uh, They think this will alleviate poverty by paying low-income households 500 bucks a month for two years. No strings attached. Right. The city has set aside $3 million of American Rescue Plan Act funds. Well, that's our money. It's your money. Yeah. Households must earn less than 50% of area median income to be eligible. Everybody assemble their questions as we read through this, as I have a number. The program echoes a similar experiment that St. Paul launched in 2020 and dozens of other cities nationwide whose leaders have made testing grounds to inform federal welfare policies. Minneapolis wanted to try guaranteed basic income because federal COVID money offered an opportunity for something Radically different to address the city's intractable racial disparities, said Eric Hansen, the city's director of economic policy and development. We have some of the largest gaps in wealth building in the country. Stop right there because you got really screwed up zoning laws. We have some of the highest gaps in the home ownership by race. Uh, That's because your zoning laws have prevent the building of single family homes. 
In high school, graduation rates is going to be determined based on skin color in Minneapolis and St. Paul. We need to start thinking of different ways to try and address this disparity. Well, one would be for mom and dad to tell the kid to do his homework or her homework. Traditionally, a welfare program imposes a number of work and education conditions. Food stamps require able-bodied adults without dependents to work at least 20 hours a week or participate in a job training program. Where there's a public benefit, there's always the expectation on the individual that they are owing something to that system. And one thing about guaranteed basic income is giving agency to the recipient, said Mark Brinda, manager of the Minneapolis Employment and Training. That's one of the most astonishing paragraphs you will read in America in years. <laughs> I had to read it three times. I can't believe what, what I'm saying. What it's saying is it's been unfair to have expectations of people. Mm-hmm. 20 it's, hours a week? It's what? been unfair to have conditions met. This gives agency to the recipient, which is a fancy way of saying we don't give a bleep what they do with the money. We're giving it to them. I could have no hit this button asked. a million times, but I'm just going to do it once for the entire piece. Uh, we don't know that. Guaranteed basic income should be much more straightforward than traditional benefit programs, which can be problematic for those in language barriers. Well, then speak English and learn how. Bo Tao Urabi, executive director of the Coalition of Asian American Leadership. The burden of translating often falls to immigrant and refugee children. Uh, She said families have... I'm sorry, families face confusion around what counts as work training activity and having to apply for jobs that don't fit their skills in order to meet basic criteria for receiving food assistance. Again, that's saying that uh, in our enlightened enlightened view of progressivism, we should remove any and all barriers to anyone receiving free money. It makes it extremely difficult for people who are in poverty to put additional conditions on the financial assistance that they get, Tao Urabi said. Research around the uh, effectiveness of these guaranteed basic incomes is limited because multi-year nationwide pilots are still in their infancy. So in other words, there is no research on how this works. There's no data whatsoever, (laughs) but we're just going to plow ahead with it anyway. Some preliminary findings emerged from the Stockton, California Last spring in 2019, Stockton pioneered the nation's first mayor-led initiative to give 125 people 500 bucks a month for two years. The city found that the guaranteed income gave recipients opportunities to take more risks to achieve higher aspirations, such as quitting a low-wage job in pursuit of an internship leading to better employment. I'd like to believe that. Yeah, the problem there is they don't give you any proof. There's no evidence of this. Yeah, yeah. It also found an increase in full-time work among participants, despite the program having no work requirements. So you're telling me that magically you were giving people in Stockton, California, 500 bucks a month, and magically that inspired them to work more. <laughs> All I need is proof. Show me the numbers. The largest yeah, spending category each month was food, followed by sales, merchandise, which were likely also food purchases at wholesale clubs and larger stores like Walmart and Target, the Stockton report said other leading categories each month were utilities and auto care or transportation. Less than 1% of tracked purchases were for tobacco and alcohol. A study of Alaska's permanent fund, which pays out two grand a year to each resident of the state, regardless of age, I think that's because they're oil rich, right? They decided long ago to divvy that up among the residents of Alaska. Yep, yep. 
uh, found that it had no effect on full-time employment but did increase part-time employment. Overall, the estimated macro effects of an unconditional cash transfer on the labor market are inconsistent with large aggregate reductions in employment, the researchers concluded. Explain what that means. I don't know. Yeah, I don't get that either. I'm I'm not smart enough to understand that. The Federal Reserve Bank in Minneapolis is partnering with the city of Minneapolis to evaluate the program. Uh, Ryan Nunn, the Fed's Assistant Vice President for Applied Research Community Development, said the Center for Indian Country Development said his team plans to survey participants about their subjective experiences, but also study whether the extra cash enabled participants to achieve higher employment and social mobility. We're trying to track outcomes from housing to labor to mental and physical health and well-being, Nunn said. We think we have a rigorous statistical design for learning what the effects are, and we're excited to find out more. Uh, okay, what did we say? It was 200 families? Yep. Well, how did, how, how Wait, do you... don't ruin my first question. Okay. I wrote questions down. Don't ruin it. Minneapolis officials are still <laughs> sifting through applications. While he could not say how many households applied, Brenda confirmed demand exceeded availability. Uh, funding for the Minneapolis program will run out in two years, but if the results from the pilot are positive, staff may lobby for additional resources from a blend of the city's general fund and the federal and philanthropic sources. Well, you know it's not going to end. No government nope. program ever no. begun ends. If you... Give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day. If you teach a man to fish, he'll eat for his lifetime. Yeah, he'll end up buying a boat and a depth finder and trailer, and then (laughs) he's going to have to upgrade, and then he's going to have to get a a four-stroke motor, and then he's going to have to get a bigger boat. And, oh, my God, it just goes on and on and on. Don't teach anybody how to fish. Yeah, you have a question? Um, The latest census report of 2020, Joe, shows that 429,954 people currently reside in the uh, great city of Minneapolis. Excuse me, the once great city of Minneapolis. Who is going to decide the 200 families that get to receive this bonus? And what difference is is this money going to make to begin with? Well, they they tell you that it will make a difference. Sure, sure, what we're sure. what we're what? suggesting is show me the proof that it makes a difference. What is the median income in Minneapolis? Thank you. That was one of mine also. Uh, because uh, you must Probably earn about less than grand. You must earn less than fifty percent of that. Median income. I think so, it's around thirty five, thirty two, thirty five. So you got to learn let earn less than sixteen. Income grand. per capita. If you let me let me just tell you something. If you earn less than sixteen grand, five hundred dollars a month is not going to help. No. Uh, income per capita in the city of Minneapolis is thirty three thousand four hundred and ninety dollars. Is that the median? I just median means half above, half below. Thank you. <laughs> right. Yes. Uh-huh. Oh. Uh, that's what it's saying. Median is thirty per capita thirty three thousand four hundred and ninety. Yeah, who's the great emperor who's going to choose who who gets to receive? Well, I uh, think chosen. That, that was in the story, right? Wasn't it? No, there, there, isn't there a committee? It, no. no, I thought there was a committee no, going. No. Probably another task force. Task force. So, and here's the other part I wanted to bring up because I'm sure Johnny was going to bring this up in his news, but Governor Walls proposed his uh, budget uh, for the, at the. Yeah. This morning, John, right? Didn't he propose right. it this morning? Two, yeah. $2.7 billion, Joe, for infrastructure that we're going to mm-hmm. propose here in the state of Minnesota. Mm-hmm. A big portion of which we're going to focus on jobs. Uh, Governor, I don't know how to point this out to you, but there are a million jobs available oh, right nothing, now that people don't want. Nothing but jobs. Nothing but jobs. 
I have two questions. I already forgot my second question. Should have wrote it down. Uh, first question, does this mean free weed? Woohoo! <laughs> I'll bet you'd have more cash to buy it. Um, yeah, my second question, I do remember it. What would you propose in lieu of this? Nothing. You've, there's already a wide variety of entitlement programs. Uh, it seems to me this is the addition of an entitlement program that doesn't ask anything of you. And will fester out of control. Because the progressives find it unreasonable to ask anything of you. They're bent on making all sorts of people, including white people, less than. And dependent upon the and government. And dependent on them. Yes. What about instead of 500 in your pocket, 500 towards schooling? At, say, a, a blue-collar or community college. A Dunwoody. Tech, tech thing. Would that make a difference? Uh, no, they, I know my kid who's 21 is making uh, more than I was making when I was in my 30s. Uh, <laughs> and it's all thanks to St. Paul College, a tech school. This is a mass of people that this thinking has created. With their handout. Yeah, this is just... Uh, I don't want to go achieve. I don't want to go work. I don't want to go earn. This is wrong. Yep, we are deep. And you're going to run out of other people's money. Descents. That's where this heads. You're going to run That's, out of and other that, people's money. That was my first question, and they and they sort of answered it by saying they could find, you know, more money afterwards. Well, after two years, this money's gone. Right. I don't want it. I don't want more money just to come out of the general Would fund. Well, then it comes out of the general fund, and they yeah. help philanthropy. Yeah. Is it de-incentivize or disincentivize? Dis. Dis. Why are we disincentivizing people to work? I don't get that line of thinking. The American Rescue Plan, so that's the fund. Mm -hmm. And that fund obviously comes right from us, right? Yeah. How much is in that fund right now? I would love to know the figure. What are they sitting on? Oh, the Fed's just collected record tax amounts for the last quarter. It'd be fun to have that money, wouldn't it? Mm Mm-hmm. And by the way, your own money, wouldn't it? Yeah, the governor yeah, it'd be nice to have my own money. The governor wants to do two point seven billion with a what? We didn't we already have a seven billion dollar surplus? Yes. Hmm. You don't hear much talk of that. You don't, Joe. Well, uh, okay. Uh, you've admitted uh, the progressives keep getting bolder and bolder and bolder. And to my way of thinking, this is merely an admission that we think it's unreasonable. To add, for anyone receiving this money to do anything for it. We don't want any answers. We're the government. We're here to help you. We're going to help you, and we don't care what you do with this money. Uh, we pretend that we have a means to track it, but we really don't. And uh, it's just inconvenient for you if you would have to work. So we're not going to well, they, they did. I, I'm looking at the white paper from the Stockton study. Yep. Uh, they did track every cent, basically, and the way they did that was with cards. They gave them prepaid cards. Mm-hmm. So they, you get a card, the 500 bucks goes on there, oh, okay. where, the, right. where, the, where the money's spent. So uh, It's kind of interesting. So he, everything's broken down by category, the aggregate spending to uh, the money these people received. Uh, it's kind of interesting. It's very complicated, obviously. It's a 25-page white letter. So, uh, But can you give uh, us, like, to, say... The top five places that the money was spent. Please tell me it was a grocery uh, well, store. Food, food is the top one by far. Uh, well, almost so 40 percent, thirty to forty percent was spent on I, on food. Joe, I, I don't. I got This might go against what you've been saying, but I don't have a problem with that. That's because you're a big, fat, bleeding heart. <laughs> I, I just thank God it's you now. <laughs> I, if they're going to spend it on food, I mean, God, I don't. How am I supposed to have a problem with that? 
I thought this was going to go to video rentals. There are already the, food programs. The, the weed shop and, you know, new no, rims for my uh, But there are already rider. programs to, for food. That you have to work for, you mean, you food to, stamps? But you have to do something. Right, right. Well, that's okay. no, we can't have do something. All right, all right, Such. Let's you just give me the money. You, the, categories, the, the categories were food, uh, sales, and merchandise, which means clothing, etc. Utilities, auto care, services. I don't know what services means. Transportation, insurance, medical, self-care, education, and donation. There's actually some donations as part of it. All right, the, Kenny, let's... let's, let's Take your concern out to what might be its logical conclusion. Okay. Because you were the same one who said, if you're making uh, 50% below the median uh, income, not, yeah, it's not going to help. The 500 right? bucks isn't going to help. So I, I said that. Why know. isn't this program saying, let's give everybody $45,000 a year? Well, what what's your end game here? You're, you're not going to have a standard of living with $500 a month. Right. Right, I'm and then th- you're asking me to believe yeah. that giving you the 500 will compel you or inspire you to work. Well, you're already not working. Why, if I give you 500 dollars, would you decide then? Geez, maybe I better work now. See, in yeah. my in my mind, I'm picturing a single mom working three part-time jobs with a couple of kids, who's not making ends meet, who's living in the world's worst apartment, uh, heating the house with the oven. Um, you know, I, I'm painting a pretty grim picture in my mind, and I'm thinking, yeah, $500, that's a lot of frozen pizzas. That'll help. To, to somewhat back Kenny's thing there, the uh, Stockton White Paper does have actual people who are receiving the money. And the people that they talk to, granted, this could be very well cherry-picked, but they all have jobs, had jobs, before all of this started. They just weren't jobs that were paying them the median income. Well, it's the argument we've had for years about minimum wage. Why is yeah. twelve fifty magical? Why isn't it thirty bucks? Right. But the the overriding point for me is we've all been in tough spots before financially. All of us have, and Hi. anyone listening, yeah, yeah exactly. How you doing? <laughs> and anyone listening to the show has been in that same spot. And what what have we yeah. done? Okay, I got to go get a part time job. Okay, oh, yeah. I got to I got to get a second it's gig. It's called selling your soul at the crossroads. Right, Chris. and you just do it for what's best for you, your family, or for your future. Yep. And that's yep. the, that's mm-hmm. the part that's being lost, not just here in the state, in this state, by the way. It's it's all over the country. The Star Tribune went on strike in 1980, and for about a couple months, we lived off food coupons given to us by a neighbor who worked for. Uh, Who's the famous Italian who became a success story? And Chef Boyardee. No. Uh, <laughs> oh, shoot. What's her name? The the woman who Mama Mia's or Mama something in Minneapolis, he became an executive with that company, so he would send one of his kids over and give us coupons for food, which was helpful because I didn't have any money. Mama D? Um, Mama D's, I think. Something Mama, like that. Mama I, Mia? No. no, I know who you're talking about. And we just lost that guy, by the way. Very uh, died very young from a stroke. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. Uh, no, this is uh, BS, and uh, and I don't. But what do you pretend to understand? What do you tell the, you know the woman I painted in my scenario? Uh, all those grim conditions. What do you tell her? Uh, well, if I could start at the beginning, I would say graduate from high school and get married before you have a child, and you will statistically avoid poverty. Period. 
But some well, people are already in the position of... I, I can go back to the yeah. beginning. I know, but what Kenny's trying to say is, well, these people that have their hand out, what would your advice be to them that are in that dire situation? Maybe, they're, they, maybe they did all that, Joe, and their husband walked out on them. Right. Yeah. Well, there's plenty of charities around that provide some of these services, too, like Sharing and Caring Hands and... Union Gospel Mission and, and what have you. We're not we're not short of opportunities to help people. Uh, and after Walls gets his way, uh, we're going to have even more. <laughs> right. But this is an extraordinary because uh, it it can only lead to more. This, this a this program will not end. This is the stepping years. stone. Yes. And B it will only not only continue after two years. It will expand. Mm-hmm. How would you like to be somebody that applied for the five hundred and didn't get it? I'd be PO'd. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I could fast forward to this time tomorrow uh, when the uh, listeners have uh, written us emails and told both of us, my John and I, our side, uh, the, the humanitarian side, the, the side that cares for people, um, what we're thinking wrong, and you're the cold-hearted, evil uh, bastards that you, you know, are. If you, you care for are. people, if you care for people, you teach them how to fish. Yeah. Whose gospel was that? John's or Paul's Can you imagine Mark, having him in the boat Larry's. during a, uh, like, say, a bass <laughs> tournament? He'd clean up. He'd, yeah. he'd win every tournament. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, let's come back with Johnny. Okay. <laughs> GLers, it's Reavers here for Everest Men's Health. How about in the new year? One of the things you can focus on is better health. Are you experiencing any of the following? Maybe a lack of energy, a decrease in strength or endurance, decrease in enjoyment of just life in general, or libido? Call my friends at Everest Men's Health. Whether it's a deterioration in your work performance or just feeling sleepiness after dinner, are you just tired of feeling exhausted? You see, when your health suffers, oftentimes other areas of your life are going to suffer as well. But with Everest Men's Health, that all can change. I'm living proof. From signs of low testosterone to other deficiencies, they examine every area important to a man's overall health, which allows them to develop an easy to follow plan that will ensure your success. It doesn't matter where you fall on the spectrum of health. Now's the time to come to Everest and take the first steps towards realizing your best health possible. Contact them today to schedule a $50 testosterone check that includes a complete body composition screening and a consultation with one of their health medical experts. They have three fantastic clinics ready to help you out with your overall health in Woodbury, Plymouth, and Egan. Or just go online right now to EverestMensHealth.com and get started today. It's time for your New Year's resolution. We all spent a lot of money during the holidays, and I can help you save some money, too. Do what I did. Call the Canopy Group. They shopped over 16 insurance companies, increased my coverage greatly, and saved me over $600 annually. I procrastinated and wish I had done this a decade earlier. Now I'm part of the Canopy Group's annual process. I do not have the time, interest, or knowledge to shop 16 different companies for my home and auto insurance. Do me and yourself a favor. Don't procrastinate. Make this your New Year's resolution. Call the Canopy Group and get the best insurance coverage and save money. You will be off to a wonderful New Year. Go to thecanopygroup.com. That's thecanopygroup.com. <laughs> it's the end of the world as we know it, and he feels fine. Uh, Joe Suchere. Yeah. It's, it's not loud enough. I'm going to turn my headphones up. 
Okay. Okay. Here's John Height. Thank you, Joe. Uh, students today uh, apparently will walk out of class in St. Paul. I'm not sure if that's happened yet. Uh, teachers, they're also planning a rally. Both demonstrations are over COVID-19 precautions. <laughs> in Minneapolis yesterday, a similar scene played out where hundreds of educators and staffers marched for better benefits. St. Paul students and staff say they're disappointed in the district's reaction to the rise in COVID-19 cases. Members of the administration say there currently are no plans to return to online learning district-wide despite a rising number of infections within the schools. A petition with more than 1,000 signatures has been circulating online. In it, St. Paul students are asking for a cohesive COVID-19 plan. If you were a rational thinking human being, how could you honestly send your kid to a public school right now in Minneapolis or St. Paul? I don't know. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Do Jesse. what? Do what now? Yeah. Apparently. <laughs> School was suddenly canceled today at Academy of Holy Angels. As of the time we're recording this, we, we don't know why. The Richfield School said an unforeseen emergency led uh -oh. to the decision Tuesday morning. No details immediately provided. School administrators said students will be able to ride a bus home. Otherwise, parents were urged to pick up the students. The school said more information will be provided later on as to what actually happened. Uh, as Chris said, Governor Tim Walz announced a $2.7 billion bonding plan this morning. The governor and Lieutenant Governor Peggy Flanagan unveiled the proposal during a press conference. Uh, a lot of items in the plan. I'll just uh, throw a few at you here. Uh, the plan includes over $1 billion in asset preservation, including $260 million to repair and replace buildings in the University of Minnesota and Minnesota State College systems and $111 million for the Minnesota Department of Natural Resources to repair buildings, roads, trails, bridges, and facilities. Also $560 million for infrastructure projects across the state, and that includes $120 million for bridge replacements, $90 million for road improvements, $200 million in local water infrastructure, gra uh, infrastructure grants and loans. It also includes $450 million in affordable housing projects, including $20 million in housing infrastructure bonds. And uh, $750 million, I think you like this one, in climate change mitigation oh, projects. Oh, we have to do that. <laughs> I think I was thinking of Mama D. Mama D, yeah. Giovanna D. Agostina, also known as Mama D. Hey, John, an update on your Holy Angels story. Uh, the, yes, apparently sir. the school canceled, or, yeah, they were canceled because of a threatening voicemail that was received. Ah, okay, there you go. Oh. Uh, Get those do... once a week from Such after the show. <laughs> <laughs> Lawmakers do head back to the Capitol January 31st. They'll have to decide how to spend the projected state surplus of more than $7.7 billion, that's with a B, dollars. A media coalition is asking a federal judge to reconsider what they're calling the unconstitutional closure of the courtroom in the upcoming federal civil rights trial of three former Minneapolis police officers in the murder of George Floyd. Writing on behalf of the media organizations to U.S. District Judge Paul Magnuson on Monday, attorney Alicia Walker said the access restrictions amount to a closed courtroom, and that would be a violation, she says, of the U.S. Constitution's First Amendment. Uh, meanwhile, some road closures going into effect ahead of the trial. Uh, these will start today. The Ramsey County Downtown Service Center is relocated to Metro Square at Suite 2500. Will remain there throughout the trial. Uh, parking on the north side of Kellogg Boulevard from Cedar Avenue to Robert Street will be closed, as will the Capital City bike lane on Jackson Street. 
Uh, also closed Robert Street between Kellogg Boulevard and 4th Street East and Jackson Street between Kellogg Boulevard and 4th Street East. City says it'll provide updates about road closures, parking restrictions, and other activities outside the courthouse on the St. Paul Police website. That amuses me. Uh, you're not going to be disrupting anything by closing those streets because there's <laughs> nobody there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Minnesota Republican U.S. Representative Pete Stauber kicked off his re-election campaign yesterday. He's seeking a third term in the Northeastern 8th District in uh, Congress on a message that one-party control in Washington isn't working. In a video released from his campaign, Stauber blamed Democrats for rising crime, inflation, and energy prices, and mandates on businesses during the pandemic, said he's running again to champion quote, our causes. In Congress last year, Stauber championed a GOP police reform effort while opposing the legislation that Democrats supported, known as the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. Despite a public push from President Biden, lawmakers on Capitol Hill were unable to overcome a partisan divide and send reform legislation uh, to the Democratic leader's desk. Stauber also joined the other three Republicans in Minnesota's congressional delegation and Democratic Representative Ilhan Omar in voting against the bipartisan infrastructure law that was passed. St. Paul man is offering a reward for anyone who finds his puppy who was kenneled in his car when someone stole the car from outside his home yesterday. Police say officers responded to a reported auto theft around 6 in the morning on the 1700 block of James Avenue West. The owner says he started his car, a dark blue 2006 Audi A6, and went back inside his home. When he came back outside, the car was gone. His four-month-old bull mastiff puppy, Kua, was still inside. The owner, Matt Thoreen, said he was inside for less than a minute. He's announced a $5,000 reward for Kua's safe return. Couldn't he spend some of that $5,000 and get an auto start deal to where you can start it from inside, the doors stay locked, and somebody enters it without a key, it shuts off and won't go anywhere? Plus, he's now going to get a ticket because you're not supposed to do that. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. You're not supposed yeah. to leave an unattended car running. Yeah, yeah. Rookie got stopped for it once. Oh, that's yeah, right. Yeah. He did. He's not living. He's not one of my neighbors where we start it up at 5 a.m. and we don't turn it off until 6, 7 o'clock in the evening. <laughs> no. He's not living in a free country. You can't do that down there. Mine's, uh, mine's okay because I can start it and then lock it because it's a push button. So there you go. Well, you're a bunch of uh, uh, yeah people uh-huh. who need uh, additional heat, I guess. I I let the car warm up as I drive. Mm-hmm. Me well, too. Okay, wait a minute. Full disclosure. <laughs> don't you? No, you can't get away with that. Oh, don't go there with me. You I walk, know where you're going. You walk out there in your jammies, in your socks, and you get in your heated garage, and you drive to another heated garage. <laughs> don't it's even. Pretty rough, yeah. Yeah, pretty all right. Rough. I guess that's we fair. are. Uh, we we are seven months away from the state fair. Yeah, we uh, talked if, about it yesterday. Yeah, you saw you that. Meant, well, you heard that. What we said. Yes, I yeah, heard that. Yes, yes. So why uh, are you bringing this up again? The ticket price. <laughs> Bastards. <on>. <laughs> I bet. I bet there's a ticket increase and a reduction in hours, huh, John? Yeah, there might be something like might that. Be. Yeah. You Hold like on. to I drive heard the about needle, that. don't you? I <laughs> just love it. I just yeah, wanted to bring up the fair. Okay. Because I know when we're out there every day, we'll have a lot of fun. We're not going it, so. to be out there every day. What? Oh, I've put my foot down. The great uh-huh. Omicron get-together coming this August. <laughs> I'll be glad to uh, do each Friday. 
you don't need to talk to Some, me about right. that. That ain't my decision. <laughs> Seven uh, months ahead, he's laying I'm down the law. Right. I'm on your side, boss. That's right. <laughs> I don't care either way. From, from the... Uh, <laughs> From the Star Tribune, uh, Assistant U.S. Attorney Thomas Calhoun Lopez told the judge he saw this defendant as a protester and not a rioter, and he argued for leniency. Now, this is the prosecutor argued for leniency for a Rochester man who was accused of setting a deadly fire in that Lake Street pawn shop soon after George Floyd's death. And 10 years of prison time is uh, what uh, the defendant ended up getting. 10 years of prison time given to Montez Lee Jr., 26, in U.S. District Court, fell well below federal guidelines and follows his guilty plea to arson in connection with the fire that engulfed the Maxit Pawn Store. Uh, the remains of Oscar Lee Stewart of Burnsville were recovered from the rubble nearly two months later. Autopsy found Stewart died of smoke inhalation and excessive burns. Surveillance video footage showed Lee pouring accelerant around the shop and lighting it. A second video captured him in front of the burning business and declaring, uh, as a friend, video records his own actions, we're going to burn this bleeper down. Hmm. Lee was not specifically prosecuted in the death. He claimed he did not know anyone was in the building. His lawyer said Monday he never meant to hurt anyone. He actually went through the building and yelled out to make sure no one was in there. Calhoun Lopez argued for a 12-year term for Lee, Calhoun Lopez being the prosecutor. That would be a sizable downward departure from the 19 and a half to 20 years in line with federal sentencing guidelines. The defense asked for seven and a third years in prison. The judge landed roughly in the middle of the debate, imposed the 10-year sentence. So the murder of this fellow found inside, that's because that's murder, I guess, that counts less because it was a protest. Yeah. 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 Well, and, and actually, there's no doomed. charge. There's we're no doomed. charge yeah. in the death. No, no, Joe, so. Joe, come on. It's called a mostly peaceful protest, right. obviously. Right. <laughs> Only smoke, one person died. Smoke inhalation and burns. That's a slow death. That's not fast. Yeah. That no. guy suffered. Calhoun Lopez was who, John? The prosecutor? He, he was the prosecutor, yes. He invoked the words of Martin Luther King Jr., champion mm-hmm. of nonviolence during the Civil Rights Movement. And noted that King told CBS TV in 1966, we've got to see that a riot is the language of the unheard. So this idiot from Rochester gets to burn down this pawn shop and is considered speaking the language of the unheard. This, is, this prosecutor and judge are the reason why crime is out of control right now. You Defense know. attorney Bruce Rivers uh, said on Monday, a federal holiday in honor of King, that he appreciated that the prosecutor showed insight as to what this case yeah. was really about yeah. by agreeing with him that Lee was motivated solely by how he viewed the treatment of black people by police. I thought the prosecutor's words were incredible and thoughtful, Rivers said. It's too often that we are on the side and they are on the other side. I found myself quoting the government in my sentencing position paper more than once. It's un. What, what he's really saying there is, I'd like to thank the prosecution for doing my job. Right, right. <laughs> yes, sir, Chris. But even Dr. King's assassination did not have the worldwide impact that George Floyd's mm-hmm. death did. That was said during a campaign stop at it some was, point it, in the It resurfaced yesterday yeah. because of MLK Day. Yeah, yeah and let's... Do we need to talk about the differences between the two men? Or it's I think they're fairly obvious. Glaringly obvious to yeah. all, all it's listeners. A, it's an obvious, yeah. obviously ludicrous statement. Right. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. you. 
Wall Street Journal reporting Texas and Arizona have joined two other states in recovering all the jobs they lost at the start of the COVID-19 pandemic, leading a trend that's expected to include another dozen states by the middle of the year. The states, which also include Utah and Idaho, have benefited from demographic shifts before and during the pandemic, experiencing outsized payroll growth in retail, warehousing, technology, and transportation industries. Companies have moved operations to the states and workers have moved in as well, sometimes leaving more crowded and expensive urban areas. The states, all Republican-controlled, also have had relatively relaxed COVID-19 restrictions during the pandemic, which economists say softened the blow. The surge in COVID-19 cases due to the Omicron variant could slow but not stop the job growth, according to economists. Can we return to Montez T. Lee Jr., 26? Sure. Yeah. Prior to sentencing by Judge Wilhelmina M. Wright, Calhoun Lopez, the prosecutor, wrote in his filing that Mr. Lee committed a crime that cost a man his life. His assertion that he did not intend to hurt anyone is of little comfort to the family and friends of Mr. Stewart left behind. Their loved one has been cruelly taken from them. That said, Calhoun Lopez argued for a 12-year term for Lee, a sizable downward departure from the 19 and a half to 20 years in line with federal sentencing guidelines. The defense pushed for no more than seven and a third years. Wright landed roughly in the middle of the debate and imposed, this is Judge Wilhelmina M. Wright, she gave the guy 10 years. And you, you know damn well he won't serve the whole 10 years. Wow. Unbelievable. I thought that her sentiments were compassionate to the man who died in the fire while recognizing the struggles and change Mr. Lee has experienced, Rivers said, the defense attorney. It was one of the most remarkable sentences I have seen. Again, the family of the victim. And the slow death the victim died. Wow. We have lost a great living American, Charles E. McGee a retired Air Force Brigadier General who flew combat missions in three wars and broke racial barriers as a Tuskegee Airman serving in an all-black unit during World War II and helping inspire the next generation of aviators with his fortitude and courage, died Sunday at his home in Bethesda, Maryland. He was 102 years old. Yeah, General McGee was one of the last surviving Tuskegee Airmen who overcame racism and depression to fly World War II combat missions at a time when the Armed, off, uh, armed forces were still segregated, and some officers questioned whether African Americans had the skill, intelligence, and courage to become military pilots. Uh, his answer to that in a 1989 interview, once we proved we could fly, they said we didn't have the guts to fight in combat, but our record <laughs> speaks for itself. Wow. Relatively wow. few allied... Allied bombers were lost on their watch, and the Tuskegee Airmen were credited with, uh, with destroying more than 250 enemy aircraft, including a German fighter that General McGee shot down while escorting B-17s over Czechoslovakia. Over a 30-year career in the Army Air Forces and its successor, the Air Force, General McGee logged 6,308 flying hours and a remarkable 409 combat missions. Oh, among, wow. That's among the most in service history. He flew bombing and strafing missions out of Busan during the Korean War and piloted a photographic reconnaissance plane based near Saigon during the Vietnam War. Wow. Going on at least 100 combat missions in both conflicts. In each war, his plane had been hit in various times by enemy fire, both times on the right wing. 
Although he retired in 1973 as a colonel, he celebrated his 100th birthday with an honorary promotion, with President Trump pinning the general star on his uniform at a White House ceremony in 2020. He was cheered by a joint session of Congress at Trump's State of the Union address a few hours later. And that same year, he joined three other veterans, all over 100, in presenting the coin toss at Super Bowl 54. Well, didn't we just lose the oldest veteran of World War II yes. last week? Last yep. week. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. This guy didn't have any guts, though, this Tuskegee wow. Airlines. Oh, he didn't no. have any balls. How many, how many missions, John? Four hundred and nine. He needed a Three wars. Three wars. Yeah, yeah. wheelbarrow. Three he wars. needed a hay rack. You know what, though? <laughs> Jesus. You know what would have made his life probably better? Is if the government had handed him 500 bucks a month That's instead of going right. out to That's achieve <laughs> on his own. We have no medal for you, but... Here to make you feel better is $500. Bring us down, Chris. I'm Bring sorry. Us down. I'm sorry. <laughs> Ralph Emery, who became known as the Dean of Country Music Broadcasters more than a half a century in radio and TV, died Saturday. He was 88 years old. He passed away surrounded by family, according to his son. Beginning his career at small radio stations, moving into television, he was probably best known for his work on the Nashville Network cable channel. Uh, he was host of Nashville Now, earning the title the Johnny Carson of cable television for his interviewing style. He was inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame in 2007. He hosted Pop Goes the Country. Remember that one back in the 70s? Uh, from 81 to 83, he was host of Nashville Live before doing The Last Show. Uh, during those 10 years in Nashville. The opposite of uh, Coyote McLeod, laid back. Very I think so. Guy was. <laughs> yeah, and uh, really not into Graham Parsons and uh, all of the know, birds and all of those guys. You know that story? Yeah, it's covered in his obit, it's, and I didn't know it until I read it today. What is the story? Well, he, he, uh, they, the birds did a, a wonderful album called Sweetheart of the Rodeo, 1968, oh, maybe. And the birds at the time had long hair, but this was a country album. They wanted to make a stone cold country album, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. So they, they go to Nashville, they play the Opry, and they, they made a lot of people angry because they didn't play the song they were supposed to. And then they went on Ralph's show, and Ralph was very unkind to them, basically saying he didn't like their music and et cetera, et cetera. However, uh, what wasn't covered in the obit, uh, he and Roger McGuinn made up oh. in the in the 80s. McGuinn went on the show that Emery hosted, uh, and they, very uncomfortably, you can see the clip on YouTube, uh, talked about the thing, and Ralph said, I'm sorry, you know, I was I was a jerk, and, and McGuinn was very kind to him, back to him, and he oh, apolo cool. Ralph apologized. And, and cool. in the meantime, they wrote a song <laughs> called... Uh, drug store truck driving man, yeah. Graham Parsons and McGuinn, yeah. which was meant to make fun of Ralph, but it was it was very harsh. Uh, it was yeah. it's on Woodstock. If you've ever seen Woodstock, Joan Baez sings it, yeah. and uh, they were they were a little mean in the song. Let's put it that way. But they all made up in the end. So mm. there you go. Uh, in Thailand, the price of pork is skyrocketing. So you know what that means? They're turning to crocodile meat. Oh. oh. Some 20,000 crocodiles are now slaughtered in Thailand each month for their meat, a figure that has doubled in recent months, according to local media. That increased demand has coincided with a decline in pork supply that has worsened over the past year. Well, and John, I well, have a follow-up. The Thailand government actually blamed pork conglomerates on the fact that the pork prices <laughs> yeah, had gotten greedy so meat high. Companies. Yeah, the greedy pork companies. I thought that was Ellison that did that. Oh, no, no, no. no Jen, Jen Saki is the yeah, one that Jen said meat, meat conglomerates are the reason that. Oh, uh, right. Meat, Ellison meat. was going after the uh, egg producers. Yes, That's right. Yes. Yeah, yeah. With ties looking. idiots have no idea. No. Nope. John, you'd think this would help uh, Minnesota farmers, the Midwest. We'd be shipping them hogs left and right, shouldn't we? 
With uh, well, uh, part of the problem, uh, there's been uh, pig uh, disease in Thailand. That's Whoa. one of the reasons they don't pig have pigs flu. there. So pig flu. Uh, with Thais looking to crocodile meat as an alternative, crocodile farmers have welcomed the windfall. Crocodile farm owner Huakai Rungatawichai told the Bangkok Post that each animal yields 26 pounds of meat. And though its different parts can be prepared uh, prepared in various ways, it's the upper part of the tail that's the tastiest and mm. is the best seller. Farmers and those who have tried it say crocodile meat tastes similar to... Chicken. Raccoon. Eagle. Jo- Joe is correct. Squirrel. Eagle. Chicken. Chicken. <laughs> chicken. Chicken. Everything tastes like chicken. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Except chicken. Yeah, and every other crocodile they cut open really has a human arm in it. Oh. <laughs> Blackbeard's leg. God almighty. The scientists are piercing together why some people lose their sense of smell after they get COVID-19. Study published Monday in the journal Nature Genetics. You get that one, Joe, don't you? Mm-hmm. I identified a genetic risk factor associated with the loss of smell and taste after a COVID infection, a discovery that brings experts closer to understanding the pattern. Uh, apparently, it's all related to genetics. Hmm. Six months after contracting COVID, as many as 1.6 million people are still unable to smell and taste. Dr. Justin Turner said how we get from infection to smell loss remains unclear, but early data suggests that supporting cells of the olfactory epithelium are the ones mostly infected by the virus and presumably leads to the death of the neurons themselves. What we really don't know why and when that happens, but that seems to be what is happening to taste and smell if you get cold. Do you ever get it back? About 11% do not. Jeez, that's terrible. I feel for them. 89% uh, get it back, 11%. I love to smell. Yeah. That's a good thing to have. (laughs) (laughs) I can smell. I love to smell the weather. I love to smell stuff. The weather and rain and, And, you know. Smell my fingers. No, I don't want to. Um, does that um, all figure also apply to taste? Because some people lose their taste also. Uh, it's taste and smell, but mostly smell. Because taste is what makes eating fun. Yeah. yeah. Really? Well, You're out on a big well, limb there, aren't you? We ain't going to smell it with this wind. I, th- I think uh, Kenny would like you to smell that finger. <laughs> <laughs> because it's not smell radio. <laughs> Oh, I can I lost, smell uh, different seasons during different seasons. Oh, of the year. certainly, yeah. definitely. Yeah. definitely. Uh, John, do you have the story about how uh, marijuana fights off the COVID virus? No, I did not see that one. Uh, yeah, it's out there. Certain um, certain things, I guess, in uh, craft marijuana. beer too. Marijuana fights it off. But I was going to warn Suchere, yeah, not the does. smokable kind, Joe. So don't start making what those are old gummies. Cunt. What are gummies? Uh, edibles. Because I read that you take the, two of those before you go to bed, and it's really good for arthritis. There's two kinds of gummies. There's the kind you buy in Colorado, yeah. and then there's the kind you buy in Minnesota. The kind you do in Minnesota give you no other benefits other than boring old health benefits. CBD. Uh, the one you get in Colorado makes life uh, worth living. Yeah, well, I don't, yeah. I'm interested in neither. Yeah. So. The wife uh, is a big CBD fan. Yours? Yes. 
Does she consume it? Yes, she's a for big... For what uh, purpose? For migraines. Really? Yeah, mm-hmm. and purposes you just said, Joe. Does it work? It, yes, yeah, it's yeah, effective. Absolutely. Really? Mm-hmm. So yeah. is it like a piece of candy, only it's... She uses the eyedropper, puts one little drop under her tongue about an hour before bedtime. Wow. She doesn't cook it up in a spoon and then draw it up <laughs> oh, in a needle, no. tie <laughs> off. She tried that once. It didn't end well. Yeah. Okay. Oh, All right. God. <laughs> wow. Uh, speaking of marijuana, we all say we want... Politicians might be a little different. How about this guy? Uh, Gary Chambers is running for the U.S. Senate from Louisiana. He unveiled a new ad Tuesday in which he's sitting in a suit smoking marijuana. Oh, I saw his picture. Yeah. The highly unusual spot, the Democrat who's seeking to unseat Senator John Kennedy in Louisiana, is shown seated in an open field lighting up a rolled blunt and taking multiple puffs. We've come a long way since Wild Bill said he did not inhale, haven't we? The libertarians have to be really PO'd, right? Because that wasn't that one of their main platforms for the last 80 years. And I always said, you know, if you clowns would focus on anything else other than weed, you might get yourself elected. But now the Democrats have swooped in and taken over their platform. In a voiceover, uh, Chambers rattles off statistics about the drug, uh, including that black people are four times as likely as white people to be arrested for its use. He said, for too long, candidates have used the legalization of marijuana as an empty talking point in order to appeal to progressive voters. I hope this ad, he adds, works to not only destigmatize the use of marijuana, but also forces a new conversation that creates the pathway to legalize this beneficial drug and forgive those who are arrested due to outdated ideology. Chambers supports federal legislation that would incentivize state and local governments to expunge criminal records of those who have been convicted of marijuana offenses and that would expand the marijuana industry's access to financial institutions. His campaign said the ad was filmed in New Orleans, where the city council recently passed an ordinance intended to remove penalties for simple possession of marijuana. Are you still holding firm on your no weed in Minnesota suit? Yeah. Okay. Popular culture depicts medieval war horses as majestic creatures, tall, muscular, powerful, with shining knights on top. But new research shows that the steeds of the Middle Ages were likely tiny, much smaller than we would expect them to be. A team of zoo archaeologists in the United Kingdom analyzed 1,964 horse bones from 171 different archaeological sites dated between the years 300 and 1650, (laughs) compared how those remains measure up to the horses of today. Horses of the Middle Ages, they found, were much slighter than their modern-day descendants, usually no more than pony size. (laughs) For some reason, I have a Monty Python skit in my Uh, brain right now. (laughs) The knights are normal size, but all the horses are tiny. Yeah. Yeah. Their feet are almost dragging on the ground. propelling the horse with your feet. (laughs) Uh, The findings published in another one of your favorite uh, magazines, Joe, the International Journal of Osteoarchaeology. I get that. I love that magazine. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I didn't know this. Classified uh, horse or pony Depends entirely on size. Did, did you know that? So well, you can I've have never a, a, looked no. at a pony, John, and called it a horse. I thought a pony was a young horse. Pony's well, a I little did, horse. I did too, but it, that's not uh, that's not it. a small horse. Even adult, fully grown, is called a pony. Huh. Modern horse. That's a difference between an optimist and a pessimist. What's that? Yeah. The, the two brothers uh, uh, for Christmas. The uh, oh, wait a minute, I forgot the punchline. Hey, uh, okay, oh, uh, right. See, uh, <laughs> Never mind. Never mind. I can't remember. So the difference between an optimist and a pessimist is? Well, one sees the pony and says, 
No, once. <laughs> Half full. Where Half there's empty. this much poop, there's got to be a pony. Yeah. And the other kid just sees the poop. Whoa! Something like that. Oh, that's a yeah. good one, Pops. That's really that's really funny, Joe. That's uh, you got to look this up. Wow! Here. I talked this. to the nurse. She said you haven't been taking your <laughs> afternoon nap. <laughs> oh God. Uh huh. And he'll be here all week, folks. <laughs> See the kid who sees the poop. Yeah. Has yeah. only bright thought. Hey, there's got to be a pony somewhere. Yeah. Right. But you got to do the pessimist that. first. Yeah, Two well, kids see a pile of poop. One kid goes, oh, oh there's S all over. Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other yeah. kid says, oh, no, where there's this much poop, there's got to be a pony. Right. Mm-hmm. Boy, boy, that's a lot funnier. That one. Yeah, works out a lot better. <laughs> a belly jiggler, such yeah. a boy. Yeah. Well, that's what you get, John, for doing lousy stories about horses. <laughs> I thought that was a pretty good story. Horses and ponies. Wow. It, it gave us all the same mental picture. It when really I put did. that in, in my news, all I could see was big knights on these right. little horses. Come Damn. back and fight like a man. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. We'll, uh, we'll be back. You don't want to do another joke? No, I don't have it. He's <laughs> out of material. Hey, GLers, it's Reavers here once again for my friends at Hofferman Water. They are an independent water treatment dealer. They offer sales, service, and rental for Connecticut water treatment systems, including water softeners, iron rust and odor filtration systems, and, of course, drinking water systems. A new system from Connecticut can do so many things that other water softeners simply cannot. They will cut down on salt usage and protect all of your appliances. Trust me when I say bad water affects nearly every single aspect of your home. Your showers are better, your laundry is better, not to mention your drinking water. And another underrated aspect of this, a brand new state-of-the-art Connecticut water treatment system helps the resale value of your home. Please get in touch with my friends at Hoffman Water today. I had my Connecticut system installed years ago and it has made an amazing difference in the quality of my water. Call them today for that free water analysis. 952-894-4040 or you can just visit them online today at HoffermanWater.com. Hoffman Water, proudly serving the state of Minnesota for over 50 years. The 31st Annual 2022 Choice Bank Minnesota Golf Show returns to the Minneapolis Convention Center Friday, February 18th through Sunday, Feb 20. Grab your foursome. Get ready for your first round of 2022. See all the Choice Bank Minnesota Golf Show has to offer, including great deals on drivers, irons, putters, and accessories. Nab great deals on the best golf apparel around. This is where I get my golf gloves every year. Take advantage of special offers from your favorite courses and destination golf resort vacations while you're there. Plus, take lessons from the pros and be ready to own your golf game in 2022. And as an added bonus, yes, Garage Logic will broadcast live from 11:30 a.m. to 1 p.m. on Friday, Feb 18. Tickets are now on sale for just $12. Compliments of TwinCitiesGolf.com. Each ticket purchase includes 10 free greens free passes and three bonus passes if you purchase online. Find all show details at MinnesotaGolfShow.com. Presented by Choice Bank, your select Minnesota Buick, GMC dealers, Nelson Marine, and Second swing. And now, a man who has never had a relationship with a tree, Joe Suchere. Worried that their twin boys had developed extreme personalities, uh, they're five years old, one was a pessimist, the other an optimist, their parents took them to a psychiatrist. First, the psychiatrist treated the pessimist, trying to brighten his outlook. He took him to a room piled to the ceiling with brand new toys. But instead of yelling with delight, the little boy burst into tears. What's the matter, Sonny? Um, He said, 
Uh, Don't you want to play with the new toys? Yes, the boy bawled, but if I did, I'd only break them. Uh, Next, the psychiatrist treated the optimist. Trying to dampen his outlook, the psychiatrist took him to a room piled to the ceiling with horse manure. But instead of wrinkling his nose in disgust, the optimist emitted just a yelp of uh, delight, and he jumped up on top of the pile and started digging. Why, what do you think you're doing, son? The psychiatrist asked, just baffled by the uh, behavior. With all this manure, the little boy replied, beaming, there must be a pony in here somewhere. There it is. That's the. That's the. I thought Joe yeah, nailed that earlier. I thought though. I told it earlier. But. Wow, <laughs> that's a that's a Ron Reagan joke. Yeah. That was one that's, of his favorites. Uh, that's awful. That's here's about the, uh, as horrible as it gets. <laughs> uh, here's how not safe you are in Los Angeles. The latest violent criminal to escape jail time from L.A.'s non-prosecutor is a convicted child molester. George Gascon is recommending home confinement for the criminal solely because she is a transgender woman. But the details of her multiple crimes are shocking and should be noted to see how these left-wing non-prosecutors have become a danger to society. James Tubbs, now Hannah Tubbs, was two weeks away from his 18th birthday when he followed a 10-year-old girl into the bathroom of a restaurant, Mm. held her by the throat, and and forced her to do something. He only stopped when someone came into the restroom. Tubbs escaped, but was later tracked down by her DNA, which had been entered into a database uh, when she was arrested for battery in Idaho. Tubbs is now 26 and has arrest for sexually molesting Two young girls, as well as battery, assaults with deadly weapons, drug possession, and multiple probation violations. Her lengthy arrest record spans three different states, Idaho, Washington, and California, yet she won't be going to prison. There is an active campaign to recall George Gascon, and if you see pictures of their rallies in L.A., you are immediately struck by one fact. The people who attend these rallies are overwhelmingly women. They realize that these repeat violent offenders pose the greatest risk to women and children. In contrast, the prosecutors releasing these repeat offenders are virtually all men. Alvin Bragg in Manhattan, John Chisholm in Milwaukee, John Choi in St. Paul, George Gascon in L.A. And the criminals they put back on the street repeatedly are virtually all men. Their left-wing ideology is decidedly anti-women. Wow. it's a good point. Uh, Child molesting should not get you a break. Do you care which prison they go to? I don't care no, if it's a men's, God, a woman's. No. Uh, I don't care. Uh, yeah, solitary, general population. I don't care, but you never see the light of day. Mm. Wow. And now, because they come to us all the way from Marloth Park in Mpumalanga, South Africa, from the Traveling Lymans. It was on this day. Today. In 1849. Stephen A. Douglas, senator from Illinois, introduced a bill to organize the Minnesota Territory. Huh. Nice. On this day, today, in 1887, boxing great John L. Sullivan broke his arm in the first round of a fight with Patsy Cardiff <laughs> in Minneapolis, but the bout continued for five more rounds before a oh. tie was called. Oh. Ouch. <laughs> five more rounds? Wow. There was a great uh, Muhammad Ali piece on last night talking to all the, uh, all the prize fighter or the heavyweight champions that he fought. Oh, God, it was so good. So fascinating, so interesting. On this day in 1892, Frank Hibbing arrived in St. Louis County to test for a mine at the site that would eventually bear his name. Hmm. 
And finally, a great day in history. <laughs> On this day in 2014, what? demolition of the Hubert H. Humphrey Metrodome oh. began. Oh. That's why Johnny's laughing. Knocked down that dump. <laughs> the finest day. The finest dump. day in Minnesota history. Yeah. Hey, uh, Monday Night Sports Talk yesterday, Such, did uh, Royce talk about the five-mile ice rink up yes. in War Road? Yes. That. You know what they did? They stole your idea, Such. I know. They've been doing it, though. They have a river to, to, to Why? Uh, hello, Minnehaha oh. Creek. Hello. Right. right. It would be great, wouldn't it? Yeah, it'd be awesome. The uh, the buggy that he was talking about turned off to be, turned out to be an ATV of some sort. Yeah, it was sort. just a side-by-side. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ice buggy. Thank you, Gio. It goes zzz, zzz, Thank you, Jailers. Sorry, I hit the wrong button. There we go. <laughs> Jailers, do us a favor and uh, head on over to the Garage Logic YouTube page and hit the subscribe button for us, and you can join the thousands of Jailers that have already done so and see all of our various social media platforms Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And also the closeout at the Garage Logic online shop, which is available to you at garagelogic.com for just a short time longer i believe i'm not exactly sure but get there anyway and get your goods and we'll talk to you tomorrow it is that time once again here in garage logic where we pick up that phone and we make that call to mr money talk josh arnold glers that's exactly what you should do today for that free 48 minute financial consultation and you do so just like i did by calling 952-925-5608 that number once again is 952-925-5608 you call that number and you get josh directly and you also get straight talk you never get sugar-coated advice and josh is with us on the line once again here in gl and Josh, the market is getting hammered today. Hammered. Too many worries. Coming back from a long weekend holiday. Market is worried continually about several things. What's the Fed going to do with interest rates? Well, the Fed already said that they're going to be rolling off their bond buying over the next several months and accelerate that, and that they would start increasing short-term interest rates later this year. The speculation now is when is later this year? My belief that the Fed is going to start moving on interest rate in late April or May. There are many prognosticators that are saying the Fed will start in on raising the short-term interest rate in March by a quarter of a point. Last week, Jamie Dimon, CEO of J.P. Morgan, indicated that he saw the Fed raising its short-term interest rate seven times this year. Well, that put a little bit of a scare into the market before the long weekend. Other Fed governors weighed in and we're talking about three to four moves up in short-term interest rates. We covered last week the fact that with short-term interest rates moving from near zero to possibly 1% or even one and a quarter percent, that shouldn't do much to stall the economy, but would be more indicative of the Fed coming back to more normal short-term interest rates. Bear in mind, before the Lehman Brothers collapse in 2008, short Short-term interest rates were above 2%, and the economy did pretty well prior to that point in time. The market is kind of wrestling with all of the liquidity that has come into the market in the last several years in order to keep things going. The money coming from the federal government as well as the Fed's support of bond buying. So with the Fed pulling back a little bit on that, the market's trying to reevaluate where things are vis-a-vis 
economy, the, the bond market. At the same time, there is continued worries about COVID and the Omicron variant and the reaction that many countries are starting to have and the potential of slower economic growth, indeed worries about shutdowns in many economies that could acerbate problems already with the supply chain. Current economic data confirms the economy slowing down a little bit worldwide due to Omicron. Indeed, China's economies, uh, economic growth has slowed, so they've already started cutting their short-term government bond rate. Just one thing. And now we also are concerned with earnings coming out. Today's earnings, uh, major earnings report came from Goldman Sachs early this morning. Goldman Sachs is down 8% as they missed on the bottom line due to increased expenses, notably higher payments to their employees. They were also a little bit cautious in their guide. Goldman Sachs, a member of the Dow, sparked a little bit of a sell-off also in the bank. So I've seen a big decline in J.P. Morgan, who also missed last week in their earnings, and other banks. Tomorrow, We've got Bank of America reporting, and we'll see how that goes. Retailers have also been hurt on a few downgrades and concerns that holiday sales weren't as good as expected, though I've seen reports that holiday sales were above plan. But again, we've seen some selling pressure there. On a positive side in the market, two areas. One is the boost in casino stocks, notably Las Vegas Sands and Wynn, with positive news. News coming from Macau. Activision had a big jump. So their stock jumped seventeen and a half dollars a share as Microsoft put in a all cash bid for Activision at seventy-eight point seven billion dollars. That could set off a little more consolidation in the gaming space as Zingo was recently purchased. Could set up some other forms of consolidation. The interesting thing with Microsoft buying Activision of that will add to Microsoft's foray into the metaverse in the future, but it kind of shines a light that the media companies such as Disney or Comcast does not have the firepower to pick up the gaming companies like a Microsoft would. Going to be interesting going forward. Make sure that you have plenty of cash on the sideline to take advantage of this fullback. Very good, Mr. Money Talk. You heard him, GLers. Now's the time to make the call for that free 48-minute financial consultation at 952-925-5608. Straight talk, never sugar-coated advice. Josh, once again, thanks for the time in the chat. Have a great rest of your day, and we'll talk to you again on Thursday. You got it. Investment advisor services offered by Josh Arnold Investment Consultant, LLC, a registered advisor in the state of Minnesota. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk.